Amen. You know, oftentimes in, in sports and basketball and golf, when, when the players are not quite doing what they should, when they're a little off, their game is off, and they bring in a coach, they bring in somebody to talk to them about their game, you know, it's often not the complicated stuff that they're doing, but sometimes it's just the basic stuff, you know. Maybe in golf, it's just your swing or it's just your grip, you know. Maybe you, you need to move up on your grip or something like that. A lot of times when it comes to the Word of God in our Christian life, we're looking for that, that new word and that new revelation. But a lot of times, we just need to go back to the basics. We need to make sure we're, we're doing the building blocks of what it means to follow Christ if we're not doing that, let's get that straight first, and then the Lord will give us revelation as we need it. But this morning, I want us just to go back and look at something very basic, something that will hopefully help you in your daily walk with Jesus. And I want us to look at a scripture here, starting in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 through 31. This is a, a passage that I really like. It speaks to my heart. There's a lot of different stuff that we can get out of this passage, but I want to look at it today just a little bit differently. Jesus had been doing lots of miracles. He had been really spending himself, giving, feeding the thousands, breaking the bread, the loaves, the fishes, and he went up on a mountain to pray. So we're going to pick it up here. It says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. So here are the crowds. He's doing miracles. Jesus is doing his work, and he's telling his disciples, you go on ahead. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. That's important. After Jesus did a lot of ministry, he had to go and pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? So here's the picture. Jesus has, has done the miracles. He's going up on the mountain to pray. He's putting his disciples in the boat and telling them, go across the Sea of Galilee. While the disciples are in the boat, the storm rages. Now, here are the disciples. This is about two years into the ministry of Jesus. Here they are without Jesus. Jesus is on the shore on a mountain praying. And here are the disciples. And they're on the boat. And here comes a storm. And they're, they're afraid. We're, Jesus isn't here. And then immediately Jesus starts to appear, walk out on the water. He comes to them. He's with them in the middle of the storm. And of all the disciples, it's Peter that says, if it's you, let me come out to you. Let me step out of this boat. Let me step out of my present situation and let me come out to you. And what does Jesus say? Come on, Peter, come out of the boat, come to me. And Peter steps out of the boat 
comes toward Jesus. Now, if that isn't just awesome enough, the fact that Jesus is appearing to his disciples, he's walking on the water, he's meeting them right in the midst of this storm, then he, he tells Peter, come out and meet him too. So now Peter is involved in this supernatural thing that they're seeing. But then what happens to Peter? He starts to sink. His eyes are no longer on Jesus. He starts to look around at the circumstances. And something happens to Peter on the inside, and his faith starts to dwindle. He reaches out to Jesus, and Jesus res rescues him. And what's Jesus' last little phrase there? Peter, why did you doubt? What happened to your faith? As I looked at this scripture, you know, it's kind of a picture of our walk with Jesus. It's like a picture of salvation. There we are, the disciples were around Jesus for a couple of years. They were getting to know Jesus. They were seeing the works of his hands. They were experiencing his love one-on-one. -on -one. They were walking with Jesus. And then we get to a point where Peter is ready to go ahead and acknowledge who Jesus is. If it is you, if you are who you say that you are, command me to come out and I'll walk out to you. And isn't that how it is that we're around Jesus, we're around his love, we're around his people? Maybe that's you here today. Maybe you're exploring faith. Maybe you've been around some people and you are intrigued by their life. You see what's going on and you think, what, what has this person got that I don't have? What's going on in this person's life that's missing in my life? Maybe there's some love that you're sensing. Maybe there's peace that you're sensing. But at some point, you got to get out of the boat. At some point, you have to just, instead of just being around Jesus, you got to acknowledge who Jesus is. You got to take a step toward Jesus. He's already taken 99 toward you, just like he did toward Peter. But you've got to take one step toward Jesus. And here's the thing. When you do, when you step out of the familiarity of your boat, of your life, of your circumstances, of your pain, of your anguish, of the things that you've been going through and dealing with your whole life, when you get out of that and begin to step toward Jesus, it's like a supernatural walk. It's like nothing that you've ever experienced before. It's like walking on water. Now, when Peter stepped out of the boat, did the wind immediately die down? No. Did the waves immediately die down? No. Because when we step out and begin to put our faith and our trust in Jesus, it doesn't mean that everything around us suddenly becomes peaceful on the outside. See, Jesus isn't looking to calm the storm on the outside. Jesus is looking to calm the storm on the inside. Jesus isn't, isn't trying to change all of your circumstances on the outside. He's trying to change you on the inside. The world that we live in is going to be the world that we live in. It, it is what it is. But Jesus wants to renovate our hearts. He wants to do something inside of us. He wants to change us so that even in the midst of storm, even in the midst of waves, even in the midst of things that look scary, he can change us. We can walk right over top of it. Now, one last thing here as we consider this story. In the midst of Peter walking on the waves... There's a moment where instead of keeping his eyes on Jesus, he, he, he does start to look around and see what's going on. And it fills his heart with some panic, with some fear, maybe even some doubt. Maybe there's some attack on his faith. 
such that he begins to sink. If that hasn't happened to you yet in your Christian walk, it will happen to you. It will probably happen to you multiple times throughout your life. You will feel like you're sinking. The things of this world, here's the thing. We, we are, we've said this a lot lately. We, we are supernatural beings. You know, you never met a person that was just a mortal. Everybody's supernatural. Everybody has something inside them, a soul that's going to live forever. You know, in 10,000 years, you're going to be somewhere. I'm going to be somewhere. We are going to live forever. And here's the thing. Even though our soul and our, our, our heart might put faith in Jesus, we're living in these tents, we're living in these bodies, and we have physical eyes. And sometimes the circumstances of this world can get to us on the outside. Sometimes it can get to our mind. It can cause doubt. And what did Peter do, though? He reached out. And what did Jesus do? Reached right for him. He rescued him. Maybe you're in a period in your life where there are some storms, where there are some things that are causing you to doubt Jesus. Maybe something's going on around you, and and you're in a struggle like you've never faced. Maybe you've already put your faith in Jesus, but you feel like you're sinking. Just reach out to the Lord today. Reach out. He will rescue you. He rescued Peter. He'll rescue you. Amen? Today, I want us to consider this thought. We need to walk closely with Jesus. And we want to we think about how to walk closely with Jesus. And there's a few things I want us to think about. How do we walk closely with Jesus? This is the, the basic. This is the principle. We saw, where, um, we saw where Peter was walking with Jesus. We need to know how to walk with Jesus. Sometimes we say things like, let's walk closer to Jesus. But it's hard to know what does that practically look like? What does it look like to walk close to Jesus? For everybody, I'm just going to be honest with you. It might look different for you to walk closer to Jesus than how it looks for me to walk close to Jesus. Now, the fruit is going to be the same, and the principles are going to be the same, but there's no formula. However, I do want to give you maybe some practical things that you can do in your life that might help you walk close to Jesus. So take, take what I'm going to share with you today And look beyond the formula, look beyond the how, and look at the why and the concept behind it and see how you can apply it to your life, okay? We don't want to get caught up in formulas, amen? We want to get caught up in Jesus. But sometimes it's good. Maybe you're new to Jesus and you just need somebody to break it down for you. I hope this morning I can break it down for you a little bit and how to to walk closely. What does it mean to walk closely with Jesus in your daily life? Let's look for a moment. John 15, 5 through 8 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. The first thing about walking closely to Jesus is this. 
you have to stay connected to Jesus, all right? You have to stay connected to Jesus. Here we see the scripture that talks about being a branch and the vine, and there's nutrition that flows from the vine into the branch. And if you notice, the branch, it's not straining, it's not stressing, it's not working itself to death, it's really not doing anything, it's just existing, but it's existing in the vine. It's existing with connection to the vine. And because of that, it bears fruit. So this is a promise. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will bear much fruit. The if is if you abide in me. That's the condition. If you do this, it's like an if-then statement. Remember learning that in school? If this, then this. If you abide in me, then you will bear fruit. Not if you go to church every Sunday. Not if you uh, sing in the choir. Not if you do downtown outreach. Not if you drive buses. No, if you abide in me, then you will bear much fruit. Now, those other things are results of abiding in Jesus. When we abide in him, there's things that come out of us. But that's, it's not doing the work. It's not about doing the work that bears the fruit. It's about the abiding that bears the fruit. We have to stay connected to Jesus. So how do we stay connected to Jesus? What does it mean? I mean, let's, let's think about this. This is a picture of a branch grafted into the vine. It's a branch that is connected to the vine. But we're not branches. We're people. We're human beings. So what is the application for us? How do we stay connected to Jesus? Well, the answer is this. How did Jesus stay connected to the Father while he was doing his ministry on earth? What did he do? He prayed. That was the number one way that Jesus stayed connected to the Father, is that he prayed. And I want to share with you some scriptures about Jesus praying. The Bible says in Luke 5 and 16, But he withdrew to deserted places and prayed. Mark 1, 35 says, In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up, went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. Matthew 26, 39, this is the Garden of Gethsemane. And going a little further, he threw himself on the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. Listen, if Jesus had to pray to keep his connection to the father, you and I need to pray. We have to be praying people. We have to be people that are on our face before the Lord. But let's break this down even in a little bit more practical sense. You need to pray every day. Let's get a little closer. You need to pray every morning. Don't step foot out of your house without praying. Don't talk to your spouse without praying. Don't talk to your kids without praying. Don't pick up the phone next to your bed and check on something and reply without praying. Listen, you've been asleep all night, and maybe you had some good dreams or some bad dreams. I don't know. But you, before you communicate with any other person on this planet, before anything comes into your life, you need to have some communion with the Lord. Before you step foot out of your house, you need to pray. The world that we live in is a troubled world, okay? There are things going on all around us, and if we don't have the covering of prayer, if we don't have the connection to the vine, trust me, something's going to come at you, 
all right? A branch that's barely holding on to the vine, a severed branch, is not a branch that's going to bear fruit. It's only a branch that is grafted in. It's rooted in. It's firmly connected to the vine. That's the branch that's going to bear fruit. And we need to connect ourselves to the vine every morning. Every morning. Don't go out of your house. Don't talk to anybody. Don't do anything until you connect to the vine, until you get right with Jesus. Align yourself with Jesus. Now, how do you align yourself with Jesus? Now, this is where I'm going to give you some things to think about. Don't don't do it exactly like this if the Lord leads you different. But I'm just going to tell you for me what it looks like in the morning, okay? You know, we say real talk, keeping it real, right? I'm just going to keep it real with you this morning, all right? I'm going to share a little bit about how I do it, but you do it your way, all right? So we're going to look at this. Pray before anything else. Start by adoring Jesus. Just, just start. If, if it's, get in a room, go, go to, if your house is crowded, get in a bathroom, find somewhere. If it's just in your bed, just open your eyes. And just say, Jesus, I love you. Oh, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Oh, I worship you, Jesus. And just spend some time just adoring Jesus. Just telling him, bearing your soul. It's not about what your lips say. It's a, did you know communication with the Lord is so much more than, than our words? It's stuff that comes from our heart, comes from the inside. Get your heart engaged in what you're saying. Don't just repeat. It's not a mantra. This isn't some... Eastern religion where you just repeat over and over. No, no, no. Get your heart engaged. Begin to tell the Lord, I love you, Jesus. Put your mind on all the things that are so good about Jesus, where he's brought you out of. Start thinking about heaven. Think about what's going on in heaven right now, that the will of the Father is happening, that there are people that you know and that you love who have gone before you, and they are seeing the face of Jesus right now, and he's comforting them, and he's with them. Let your mind be with the Lord and where he is, and just begin to adore Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. As you adore him, as you get your heart right before him, begin to pray for those who are in your immediate love assignment. When I say love assignment, there are people in your, did you know this? There are people in your life that you are called to love like nobody else. Nobody else on this planet, are, they're going to love people the way that you can love them. And your number one is your spouse. There's nobody that is going to love your spouse like you. Pray for your spouse. Before you do anything, you, you adore Jesus, and then you start praying for the people in your love. Pray for your spouse. Pray for your children. Pray for those in your household. Pray for your mother and your father. Pray for your brothers and your sisters. Pray for the people who are closest to you. Those are the ones that God has assigned you to love. Pray for them. You have insight into their life like nobody else. There are things about them that you know other people don't know. There's a way that you can pray for them that is unique to you. Pray for them. Pray for people in your love assignment. Think about the people in this church. Think about the people in your ministry. Think about the people that you serve with. Begin to pray for them. Pray that God would use them. Pray for people on your job. Pray for people at school. These are the people that you're going to influence. You have a special ability to speak into their life. Come on, I know even as I'm speaking, some of you are thinking about people you need to pray for. Pray for them every day. You're going to interact with them. You need to pray for them. 
You need to pray that you can speak life into them, that you can speak love, and that they're getting on the, just as you're getting on the wavelength with Jesus, that they are too, so they can encourage you, okay? Pray for people in your love assignment. Prayer is not a one-way street. Prayer is not just us talking to God. After you've adored Jesus, and after you've prayed for people in your love assignment, hit the brakes for a second and just listen. After you've got your heart straight before the Lord, start listening for some promptings. Now, this is hard, but if you'll just close your eyes and let the Lord have his way in your heart, something will begin to stir in you. Jesus will begin to prompt you. Something will start to rise up in you. I don't know, something for your day, something, somebody else that you need to pray for, but begin to, to try to hear and, and learn to perceive his promptings as he's speaking to you. I know for me, when I'm, when I'm having time alone with the Lord and I get to this part of my morning, I just, I just put on the brakes for a second and, and I can tell something just kind of rises up within me. I wasn't thinking about somebody I wasn't thinking about, but I don't know. There's something inside me that compels me. Begin to pray for that person. Begin to lift them up in prayer. Sometimes it's, it's something that makes sense, and sometimes it's something that doesn't seem to make sense. Sometimes I pray for somebody one day in one way. Sometimes it's I, I rebuke the enemy and the work of the enemy over this person. And then sometimes it's, no, I pray peace and love in their heart. Because here's the thing. The Lord knows what that person needs. Maybe that person is under attack, and you need to do some warfare in Jesus' name, and he will lead you to that. But maybe somebody just is hurting on the inside and they just need his peace and his love and his comfort. The Lord will lead you to that prayer, too. Don't just pray. Pray the way the Lord wants you to pray. You will you will you will make a difference in the kingdom. You will make a difference in people's lives if you will listen for his promptings. Learn to perceive what does it feel like when the Lord is speaking to you and then respond to those promptings. Respond to what the Lord is doing. You know, there have been times in my prayer time in the morning where I've texted somebody because in the middle, I felt Jesus say, text them right now, right now. Pick up your phone. Don't look at anything else. Just text this person right now. I don't know what that person's going through. I don't know what's going on in their life. Maybe I have an idea, but I don't know the immediate situation that they're in. Maybe right in that moment, they needed something to come up on their phone and remind them that Jesus loved. I don't know. But those kind of promptings, you need to get in line with that in the morning before you leave. And then thank Jesus for his outpouring. Before you finish, just begin to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for talking to me. Thank you, Jesus, for working on me. Thank you, Jesus. Don't get out of that prayer time until you know that you know that you know that you are connected to Jesus. Don't go through the motions. Don't get in there. If you feel like you're going through the motions, he's right there. Just tell him. Jesus, this isn't working right now. I need help. I need you to, something's wrong in my flesh. Lord, crucify it right now. God, I need you to pierce through what's going on in my life. But before I step foot out of this closet, out of this bathroom, out of this bed, wherever I am, I need you to come through. Get me connected to you. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I felt... uh, Well, we learned of a lady. Her name is Carla Perry, and she was in the hospital. She was in the ICU. She was struggling. We've been praying for her as a church. 
Pastor Ben had mentioned her situation in a staff meeting, and the following week he mentioned that she was, there was a prayer vigil at her church. And her story struck me. I felt connected to her. And the Wednesday of her prayer vigil, I just felt that morning, I need to be there. I need to go. I'd never been to the church before, and I had never met this lady before. But just out of my prayer time in the morning, I felt the Lord say, you need to do this. See, when, when, when we have our time of connection with the Lord, we need to give him our day. We need to give him our agenda. Lord, this is what I've got on tap for today. But God, it's not about me. You order my steps. Or in the midst of this, you show me where to go. Give the Lord your agenda for the day and watch him come through. So I come in the office and then I just called Jonathan. And I said, Jonathan, I feel like I should go to this prayer vigil for Carla. You want to come? I said, I'm leaving in like 10 minutes. He said, I'm dressed and ready. Come get me. So I stopped and got him. We drove to Virginia Beach, went to this church, walked in, small group, maybe 15 or 20 people. And there was this, this wonderful older lady that was leading the prayer time. And boy, there was such a familiar spirit when we went in. I mean, she led from her heart. She had a gift. She just, it was wonderful. And I even told John, I said, something feels so familiar about this. I've never been here, never met these people. She goes to the, the piano and plays. They sing some choruses. We pray for a while. And then the prayer time ends. And she comes up to us. And as she's coming up and introducing herself, there's somebody from the back that recognizes Jonathan. And not just recognizes him, from New York, where he used to live. Jonathan used to live in New York. And calls him out by name. And this lady comes up and introduces herself. She's the pastor. She's 80 years old. She leads the singing. She does the preaching. She has a congregation of about 15 people. And she came up to us, and she said, Are you Jonathan that used to play at Brooklyn Tabernacle and all of this? And she said, I'm, I'm Evelyn Puckett. She said, I grew up with the pastor of that church, Pastor Simbola and his wife, Carol. She said, I knew Carol's dad, Claire Hutchins. I went on my first missions trip with Claire Hutchins. We used to attend his church in Brooklyn. My mom taught Carol how to play the piano, was one of her teachers. And boy, they just started to connect. And she said, this, is, this has been about the worst day for me in all of my years of ministry. She said, this morning, one of my members was taken off of life support and passed away. She said, right now, we're having a prayer vigil for a member that's in the hospital, and it doesn't look good. And she said, at 3 o'clock, we've got a funeral for another one of my members. She said, I don't have many people in this church, and, and two passed away, and one's in ICU. She said, this is about the hardest day I've ever had. She said, how do you know Carla? I said, I don't know Carla. Never met her. She said, you drove all the way here from Newport News for a prayer vigil at a church you'd never been to for a person you never met? I said, well, I guess when you put it in those terms, yes. And I brought this guy with me. She said, you're here to pray. But she said, the Lord has brought you here today. She said, I needed this encouragement. We prayed for her. She just began to weep as we prayed. She said, I needed this today. She said, I needed the reminder of God's faithfulness to me over my life, how God has moved and worked. I needed this today. And she said, because of you 
I'm encouraged to keep going today. When we follow the promptings, when we get connected to the Lord, when we learn to just give an ear to what he says, trust me, he will do amazing things. Number two, so number one, stay connected to Jesus. Number two, talk to Jesus throughout your day. All right? Connect with Jesus first and then talk to Jesus throughout your day. Paul ends his first letter to the church at Thessalonica saying this, Rejoice always. This is 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Now, the idea of praying without ceasing can be very daunting to us if we have the wrong idea of prayer, if we think that all prayer is is kneeling by our bed or kneeling at an altar or being in some sort of church or there's incense, if that's what we've got in our mind for prayer and we think we got to pray without ceasing, that, that can be very daunting. But really, all prayer is is we're talking to Jesus all day long. We're just having what we just had before we left the house, before we talked to anybody, before we step foot out outside, We just keep that going all day long. We pray without ceasing. We keep talking to Jesus. We have an ongoing conversation. We talk to Jesus as if he's right there because he is right there. Let's look at this verse in Matthew. It says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Here's the thing. According to the word, we don't have like this little private world on the inside. As Christians especially, we don't have the privilege of having this little private time where we close everybody out, including Jesus, and we get to have all kinds of thoughts and things that are just ungodly or whatever, and it's okay because it's not coming out of me. It's just on the inside. No, I'm sorry. Jesus is right there. And according to that scripture, you can see if you've done it in your heart, it's the same as doing it on the outside with your flesh. So that means Jesus knows our thoughts. That means that we need to keep talking to him. We need to keep communicating with him. And we need to stop thinking that we can have our own little private time where we just kind of put Jesus on the shelf until I get to church or until I get home or something like that. You can't put Jesus on the shelf. Jesus is with you. Jesus is in, he's with you. He can hear your mind. He can read your thoughts. He knows. So just go ahead and talk to him. Go ahead. Stop having pretend conversations with people that are not around you. These little speculative conversations we try to have. Just go ahead and cut that off and begin to talk to Jesus. Just talk to him. You're going through something. Don't pretend like you're talking to somebody else. Don't try to rationalize stuff out in your head. Just begin to say, Jesus, right now I'm going through this. While you're driving in your car, Jesus, What's going on? Jesus, lead me. As you're on your job, as you're approaching somebody, Jesus, be with me. Jesus, take control of my mind. The mind is a powerful thing. And before anything ever comes out in the flesh, it's going to start right up here. And if for some reason we think that we can lock Jesus out of our mind and have all kinds of ungodly stuff going on up here and it's okay because it doesn't come out, we are mistaken. Jesus is with us in our mind, okay? Look at what the Bible says. Here's some stuff about our mind. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
Philippians, finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about those things. Don't think about little conniving plans that you might have because somebody cut you off in traffic and how I'm going to get back at them, okay? Don't, don't let stuff rattle in your mind. You, come on, we all do that. Where, where you make a little, a little devilish plan in your mind sometimes. I mean, just, right? Keeping it real today. You have stuff that gets in there, and it, you know that's not supposed to be in there. Well, don't let it be in there. This is what the Bible says to think about, things that are commendable and honorable. Second Timothy says this, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love. The King James says a sound mind, but it really means self-discipline. We've got self-discipline. You don't have to entertain every crazy thought that comes into your mind, okay? Jesus gave us a spirit of self-discipline so that we could get that out. When it comes in, we just say, oh, Jesus, I'm talking to you, and this is not of you. Jesus, get this out. Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Ephesians, you were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Second Corinthians, this is powerful. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Every thought has to be obedient to Christ. There can be no little thoughts, no little plans, no little weeds that try to grow up in the garden. No, no, no. We got to get those out. We got to get every thought obedient to Christ. Don't let that, don't dwell on it. Don't, don't sit there and make little plans. Get it out. Your mind is a battlefield. And if it's out of control, you will be out of control. If your mind is, is going in the wrong direction, eventually you will go in the wrong direction. If you're making little plans to sin in your mind, and by sin, I mean doing things that are wrong, things that grieve, that's what sin means. If you're doing stuff, if you're making plans to do wrong in your mind, eventually you're going to end up doing some wrong. That's how it works. Guard your heart. From it, everything flows. Your mind is a battlefield. Submit your mind to Christ. So number one, we need to start our day with Jesus. Number two, we need to talk to Jesus throughout our day. And a big part of that is get that mind under submission. Get your mind under submission to Jesus. And lastly, number three, listen to the nudges. Listen to the nudges. Mark 4, 24 says this, and he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. The measure you give will be the measure you get and still more will be given you. For to those who have, more will be given, and from those who have nothing, even what they have, will be taken away. This is a hard scripture to understand, because really, this doesn't sound anything like Jesus. You mean people who don't have very much, what little they have, he's going to take away from them? And people who already have an abundance, he's going to give them more? That doesn't make any sense. Why would Jesus put this in here? But if you... If you think about it like this, there are opportunities throughout our day for us to listen to Jesus, for us to impact people for Jesus. And if we will simply listen to those nudges, he will give us more nudges because we have proven that we can be obedient 
There is a world around us that is lost, and Jesus is looking for people who will reach people who are lost. So if you're given opportunities and you are quenching the Spirit, what I mean by that is you are rejecting what the Lord is trying to say. He's trying to speak to you and you're turning away. Then you know what? The little bit that he's giving you, the little nudges that he's giving you, he's going to take them away from you and he's going to give them to somebody who's trustworthy. He's going to give them to somebody who will listen because he loves people and he cares about people and he wants to reach them with his love. And if this person will be obedient, Jesus loves the lost enough. I'm going to use this person more and more and more and more. And if you're not listening, I'm sorry. I don't have time for that. I got to get to people. Amen? We have got to listen to the nudges, the little thing. And I tell you what, this is what makes serving Jesus so exciting. Look at this in Revelation. Then I saw a great white throne and the one who sat on it. The earth and the heaven fled from his presence and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Also, another book was opened, the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works as recorded in the books. Think about it like this. Everything you do and even the stuff you don't do, it's recorded in heaven. There are books. I mean, the Bible says there's a book of life, but then the the Bible says there are other books. Who knows? We might get to heaven and there might be a library just about your life and all the things that you did. It's all recorded in heaven, and we're all going to have to give an account for what we did and what we didn't do. We're going to have to stand before Jesus. He's not going to condemn us, okay? He's not there to condemn. The Bible says by our own words, we are condemned. We're going to feel our own shame. He loves us no matter what, but he is grieved when we don't obey him. There are things that we're supposed to be doing and we're going to have to give an account. And I believe on that day when we stand before the Lord, you're going to see the impact of you giving somebody a hug, of you stopping and talking to somebody on the side of a street who is maybe holding up a sign that they need help or they need food, maybe just shaking somebody's hand at church, maybe driving a bus, cooking a meal, handing something to someone in need, sending that text, making that phone call, you are going to see the effect of what you did in heaven. I believe that. And I believe you're going to have, you're going to perceive how it affected the person that you did that to. And you're going to see how it affected them and the person beyond them and beyond them and the ripple effect of what you did or did not do throughout humanity and throughout eternity. I believe that we will see that when we get to heaven. We need to listen to the nudges of the Holy Spirit. What an exciting time when we get up in the morning and we get close to Jesus right away. Before we step out of the house, before we do anything else, we get close to Jesus. We learn to hear his voice, that we talk to Jesus throughout the day, that we get our minds submitted to Christ, and then we listen to his nudges throughout the day. Isn't that a great feeling to think, I'm going to wake up this morning and Jesus is in control of my agenda, and something awesome is going to happen. I'm going to meet somebody. I'm going to drive to a prayer vigil. We're going to encourage Evelyn Puggett. I don't know what's going to happen today, but Jesus knows, and as long as I'm listening to his nudges, he's going to guide me throughout the day, and it's going to be a wonderful day. I'm going to make impact for Jesus today. I'm going to touch people for Jesus today. What I do is going to 
going to have a ripple effect on this person and then on the next person and throughout humanity. What a wonderful thing to think every morning, I'm going to get up and I'm going to make impact for the Lord. Do you want to make more impact for Jesus today? Come on, let's stand together. Musicians are going to come. Walking closely with Jesus, it's not rocket science. It's not brain surgery. It's just being connected to Jesus. It's staying connected to Jesus, and then it's obeying Jesus when he says, do this or do that, or don't do this, don't do that. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows what's going to shipwreck your faith, and he knows what's going to encourage people and how he's going to use you. It's amazing when we step out of the boat and begin to walk closely with Jesus. Maybe you have never stepped out of the boat. Maybe you have just felt so comfortable in your life being in the boat. You've been watching Jesus. You've been thinking, I need more to life. There's more to my life. There's more purpose to my life. God has something for me, but I'm scared. Don't be scared. Give your life to Jesus. Walk closely with Jesus. Maybe you've been walking, but you've been walking from a distance. Maybe you're only calling on Jesus when you're in church, or maybe uh, when you're in a Bible study, or maybe just when things are going wrong in your life, that's when you're calling on Jesus. Trust me, if you just walk closely to Jesus, there will be springs of living water that will begin to flow within you. There'll be something that will rise up within you that will make you fall more in love with Jesus every day. And here's the great thing. When we know the, the, the wonderful freshness, the wonderful uh, experience of living water flowing within us, we don't even want muddy water anymore. We don't even want sin. We don't even want those things that are going to be a, 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 a block from us and Jesus. Let's close our eyes this morning. Can we just tell Jesus we love him today? We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, we praise you, Lord. We honor and adore you, Jesus. We adore you, Jesus. We adore you, Jesus. Come and move in us, Lord. We invite you in. This morning, if, if as I've been speaking, maybe, maybe something inside you has begun to work and you say, either I need to get out of the boat, I need to begin following Jesus, or, or you're saying, I need to walk more closely with Jesus. Would you come this morning? I would love to pray with you. Just come, just show, just, just, just show the Lord, I'm serious about this, Jesus. I'm serious, Lord. I, I'm gonna make a, a move today. I'm gonna step out today and I'm gonna come. Would you just come here to the front and let's pray together. Come on, let's let the Lord work in our hearts today. Let's let the Lord work in us today. Oh, he's drawing you today. Would you just come and yield yourself to the Lord today? We yield ourselves to you, Jesus. We yield ourselves to you, Jesus. More of you. We want to walk more closely. We want to hear your nudges, Lord. God, we don't want to step foot out of our house without you, Jesus. But Lord, we want to follow you. We want to follow you, Jesus. Help us walk closely with you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus.